This episode of the Red Bull Ramp is by the fine patrons that support us through patreon.com slash Ramp. You can support us for the low, low price of $1 a month, and you can get exclusive content, including a monthly wrap-up for the New York Red Bulls. We want to send a special shout-out to our patrons who support us at $5 a month. That is our producer-level reward. Thank you to Jeremiah Dempster, William Martin, Gwen Rochesco, Clayton John, Chris Adamek, and Maeve Dartinez. Now, on to the show. This is the Red Bull Ramp Podcast. If you aren't expecting adult language, why even bother listening? Welcome, my friends, to the Shit of Friends. This is the Red Bull Ram Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Iapico. I'm Pat McDonald, and this is episode 385. So it begins. Again. I guess. Yeah, so uh, our little hiatus is over, and we're going to get back into it a lot quicker than normal because the season is only two weeks away. A week and a half away. Wait, hold on. Two and a half weeks away, sorry. My my fiance is so excited. <laughs> I I mentioned wanting to watch everything the other day and my wife said, Please don't subject me to it. So I can only imagine how she's gonna feel when I tell her ripples are back. Yeah. <laughs> and she and she's willing to watch those with me, so I don't know. Yeah, tonight it was uh I gotta record my podcast in fifteen minutes. She's like, No, <laughs> <laughs> Just, just wait until she's married to it. Jeez. Uh, she's, got, she's got six months till that. All right. So, obviously, Truman's not here. We're going to get into what little we've known so far about the Red Bulls during this preseason. Uh, first, let's talk about the players that the Red Bulls have lost during the offseason. Uh, these all have... We've... These players all had their options declined, so they are no longer with the team. Luca Lucas, goalkeeper, which never really played, so whatever. Mm. Uh, I don't even know who this guy is. Izier Germay, defender? Yeah, I don't bringing know. Bringing him in. Uh, Mandela Egbo, who didn't play much. Mm-hmm. Daniel Royer, which, yeah, that's a loss, but, I mean, I think it was pretty clear, even after he got kind of out of Schubert's doghouse, that... He just wasn't up to fitness. Yeah. So. He, he will be very much missed, though. Yeah. Um, and the supposed golden boy, Matthias Jorgensen, is gone. <laughs> yeah, the big old now signing. Yep. Uh, these next two end of contracts, so they are they left, and we got nothing for them. Kyle Duncan uh, has gone to, was it? It's Belgium, right? I mean, ridiculous. If they did not plan on resigning him, I mean, if the team was not going anywhere realistic last year, they should have sold him last transfer window. <laughs> yep. And then uh, club captain and homegrown Sean Davis off to Nashville to join Dax McCarty and uh, fuck, why can't I think of the other guy off the top of my head? Uh, oh, Alec Mwil? Yes, Alex Mwil. And how much money did he sign for there? Uh, for less than the Ribbles were offering. Hmm. That should be fucking telling. 
Yeah, the MLS free agent rules favor the teams that had the player before, and look what happens. We got more before I'll really get into how I feel, so we can keep going. Okay. Uh, these players we lost uh, because of end of loan. Some of them we want back, some we don't. Uh, Andrew Gutman we lost to back to Atlanta United. Tom Edwards back to Stoke City, although apparently we may be close to bringing him back for this year on another loan. Uh, uh, technically, we lost Caden Clark, even though we just re-signed him on a different loan. Uh, Yobu Diara is back to Salzburg. He didn't really play too much, didn't work out. Nope. Uh, Fabio is gone. Good riddance. Which, uh, yeah, it's not really much of a, a loss, so. Uh, this last player in Wikipedia is not really a loss because we signed him, uh, Jake LaCava. Uh-huh. Which is actually, now I'm looking at Wikipedia, it's kind of weird. He says he left and was signed by the Tampa Bay Rowdies. But then on the end, he's listed as being signed from New York Red Bulls 2. Yeah. Uh, I, I do vaguely oh. recall, I think they signed him and loaned him right after the Rowdies, from my understanding. Oh, is that what it was? I believe so. Yeah, actually, that makes sense, because January 20th is listed for the date on both of those entries. Yeah. Yeah, when we need, when we can't score goals with our forwards, let's sign a forward and send them out on loan. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. I really but, expect anything from Jake LaCrava. <laughs> no, but I mean, look who we have now, and you're willing to keep them on the board? Uh, oh, I mean, I have my thoughts, but keep going with the transactions. Okay. Uh, players coming in, uh, Carlos Cornell, we talked about this on the season wrap-up show. He is officially signed, I think it was a three-year deal from Salzburg, so he's with us permanently. Uh, midfielder Lewis Morgan, who we brought in from Inter Miami for $1.2 million in allocation money, which works out or not, I am kind of surprised we actually used the allocation money for something. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing, I think I believe Matt Doyle said something about that he might play forward, which he's never played before. So if that's how they're intended to use him, uh, I think that would be a huge mistake. But you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. What I saw was that as much as he was treated as a midfielder in Miami, he's better as a wingback. So we'll yeah. see. Um, Dylan uh, Nealis. Sean's brother is coming in from Nashville for 125000 allocation money. So, you know as soon as both of them are on the back line, we'll have the Nealis brothers jokes. Uh, yeah, the Nealis connection. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> these two are coming in from the academy. Uh, midfielder Daniel Edelman and forward Zach Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a t- what country is this? I don't remember. Colombia? Oh, Venezuela. Venezuela. Yeah. Uh, midfielder Jesus Cassiano. Project. Uh, what do you, you said project? He's going to be a project, yeah. I mean, I figured most of these players are really projects. So. Yeah. I mean, well, that kid, he's a West... Well, I mean, our academy guys, who the hell knows? I mean, you know, some of them, they all seem to have ceilings of all right for the most part. I mean, hopefully one of them is the next Tyler Adams, but we'll see. I mean, isn't that kind of true of most academies, though, where like 80% of your players... Their ceiling is, yeah. Yeah. like, championship-level starter. Yeah, I guess so. It's just, you know, I'd like to be like Dallas, who, like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to sell the guys as quickly as Dallas does, but, like, guys who will eventually get to Europe, eventually 
compete on uh, the U.S. national team. That'd be nice. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the the what is it the um, the distance rule they have for the academies, where like you can only recruit within so many miles of your home stadium. That's true. That's true. That is something that needs to be done away with. I think uh, the league is big enough now. Because even be- even before New York City came in, it was, Philadelphia was still encroaching on it. Yeah. Uh, next, we talked about Jake Lacava is in and then right back out. Uh, Caden Clark is back on loan through the end of the year. The hey, whole why, don't year. You, why don't you explain how the guy we just got rid of, how he came back? <laughs> okay, yeah. Because this is, this is only possible in Major League Soccer. So, as soon as Caden Clark left, officially left in the summer, mm-hmm. uh, I believe the fee... What is it? I can't find the fee. But it, it was at least a, at least a million dollars or two million dollars, right, for the fee mm-hmm. that they got. So as soon as that happens, he becomes a player that would have to go through allocation order because he is a high transfer out of the league. <sighs> and additionally, he's been on the U.S. youth national team, and there's a bunch of other stuff, but... It worked out last year because part of the sale was that he was immediately loaned back. It was part of the same deal, so there was no issues. Because mm-hmm. this is a brand new deal, you have to go through allocation order. Red Bulls were 14th in the allocation order. So clearly, we would not have been able to sign him, except we traded uh, with Toronto we sent over 575000 in allocation money, and in return, we got their number two spot in the allocation and a 2022 international roster slot. Now, clearly, number two is still not good enough, no. right? Because you got to be number one. So then a second trade takes place where we provide Cincinnati an additional 100000 in allocation money, to move from number two to number one. And now we sign Katie Clark, and now Cincinnati's right back to number one anyway. So they spent 675000 allocation just to bring him back on loan. So like they pretty much spent most of uh, Katie Clark's transfer fee to bring him back. Uh, a good portion of it, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's so many issues here. Obviously, the league's rules are f- fucking retarded. Um, like, they, they need to go away. Seriously. They, they, they're the stupidest rules on the face of the earth. Uh, they need to It's time for MLS to put his big boy pants on and just be a real league instead of all this bullshit that we have to jump through hoops about. But on top of that, I mean, if you're spending the transfer fee you got per player to get the player back, a lot of it, then then just don't bring him back. Let it, let him go play somewhere else. I mean, you know, it just it makes no fucking sense. I mean, I, I'm I, in a way, I'm happy he's back. I think he's got a ceiling. I think he could do some stuff this year because uh, he was, I feel like, towards the end of last season, was really starting to go back on the upswing. But oh, come on. I, at this point, I, because we had to spend so much money just to get him back, I, I wish he had just gone to Salzburg. Yeah, and unfortunately, Clark was a victim of circumstance, right? He was brought, he was signed during the summer because that's when Jesse Marsh was in charge of Leipzig. Mm-hmm. From 
all the reports, uh, Marsh was not given support he needed. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was a shitty deal for Marsh. He was like, a, they mutually agreed to part ways. I think it was back in like November. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new or the current head coach who is, let's see, Domenico Tedesco mm-hmm. apparently doesn't want him. Or at least not right now. Yeah. And Clark wasn't even training with Leipzig. He was training at home in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So it it's a, it was a shitty situation. It makes sense to bring him back. But yeah, if we're gonna have to, it, it, this is such a weird fucking thing. Yeah. Because. Red Bull owns both teams. Mm-hmm. So from yeah. Red Bull Global's perspective, there was, zero, there was zero change in the pocketbook. It was just money moved from one pot to the other. Right. Then they spent 675k of funny money to move it back. Makes no sense. And I say funny money because it's exactly what MLS is. I mean... Oh, yeah. Damn, damn. Until, unless a player is a designated player... Their salary is covered by the league. Yep. Right. You only pay for whatever is over and above for deep, for designated players. Mm-hmm. And gam and allocation money is provided from the league. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it, it's it's single entity needs to die. And the worst thing, if if you were to try to explain this to somebody that doesn't understand soccer to begin with mm-hmm. they'd be confused oh 100 if you try to explain this to let's say a person from germany who has no idea what mls is they would be confused oh, God. I mean, there's you, so many people who would be confused by this you almost need to be a lawyer to understand this shit yeah shocking yeah <sighs> so that's where we are with Caden clark yes uh, so, as I mentioned, Tom Edwards possibly coming back for another loan this year. Apparently, they're working on the details with Stoke. Um, which, honestly, if Stoke's willing to provide him another loan, why not just buy him at this point? Because he proved worth last year. Because yeah. uh, that would require spending money. I mean, we know our team doesn't like to do that. True. We had, what, one, two, three, five loan signings end last year, so... Yeah. And, and to be fair, I think Tom Edwards does have his long-term eyes set on making it in, in England. So to be oh, fair. I'm, I'm sure he does. Yeah. Uh, and then the last possible player, at least at the moment, and I'm sure I'll fuck it up because it's a Brazilian name, Laquinas? I'm going to say Laquinas or something Laquinas? like that. Laquinas, okay. Yeah. So I was relatively close. Oh, wait, see how Shep... Chef oh, that. If the guy actually comes to Rebel. True, if. Uh, somebody's claiming he's already signed, but that's official, so. No, nah, because, you know, that that's what happens every uh, every offseason. Like, every other team makes a signing, and the signing actually signs. We have a signing. It's announced. It takes three to four fucking weeks for it to be official for whatever fucking reason. And the guy, like, waltzes in the day before the opening game. This is the new Kaku watch. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a Kaku watch. I mean, it was a Verone watch. Gonzalo Verone watch. It's, it's every, every fucking year with this team. 
Is it, are we done? Is it, is it rant time? Or are we done? We can, we can go. Go for it. Okay. So last year, New York City AFC won the title because you know what? They're an organization that tries. And I know, and I, I remember seeing the circles, all people saying, oh no, the Red Bulls are trying. We didn't know that the signings they made last year weren't going to work out the way we wanted them to. Yes, we fucking did. The Rebels are not fucking trying. They have two designated player spots. I think we've all fucking agreed that they have a nice little core to build around. That's what we discovered last year. And you know what you do? You have two DP slots. You fucking fill them. You fill them with attacking talent because we could not score goals last year. That is what you do. Even if this Laquine Goss guy is all right, he's one guy. And he's from a league that is not proven in MLS. Let's be clear. Okay, we've seen where the pipeline of successful players for this league come from. It's not from Poland, okay? I mean, I'm like, I can't believe there are still Red Bull fans out there who think this organization is trying to win titles. We're not going to. We are not winning a title this year. We probably, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll give the team the benefit of the doubt. My guess is they'll be just good enough to, as they do every year, squeak into the playoffs, only be bounced out in the first round. That is what this team is going to do. I mean, these signings are embarrassing. This is a New York team, and I understand we don't get the media coverage that, say, Seattle, Atlanta, all get in their markets. I get that. But there is no reason for a team from New York to be this stingy, to this this uh, this averse to uh, – oh, man, I wouldn't blank in here. You know, averse to trying. It's just flat-out embarrassing. It is embarrassing to be a Red Bull fan. It's going to be embarrassing crowds all season, much like it was last year. It's just, I'm fucking over it. I'm fucking over how embarrassing this team is when it comes to giving a shit about the product they put on the field. And I'm going to be the sucker in the stands. I'm going to be one of them this year. You didn't cancel your tickets? No, I I got a friend who's really adamant about still going. Eh. Seats aren't bad. If you know, if uh, if the Red Bull Stevie Cohen ever comes around, I've got good seats for when that happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just if if my buddy was gonna pull pull his tickets, I'd be out in a heartbeat. I like, they're I, trying. No, they're not. They're not trying. <sighs> So the last few years as a Jets fan has been pretty bad, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they they look like they're on the up and up. This, I mean, as bad as the season was, I mean, I, but this but this was a brand new coaching with with yeah. a brand with a rookie quarterback. Like to, to they improve technically improved on the year before, so I'll take it for what that was. But the three or four years before that, yeah, was utter trash. And I'll excuse the year, the, the very last year, because that was our GM's very first year, full first full year, right, as part of the team. Mm-hmm. So he has to overhaul to what he what he can bring in and all this other stuff, right? Yeah. We had a terrible GM. I can't remember his name honestly. He was terrible to draft. Oh, McCagnan. Yeah. Uh, we signed a mediocre coach who was fired by Miami. Mediocre? Well, he, at the time, he was mediocre. He was like 500. 
he proved he he proved that there was the lower floor for him. Okay, <laughs> we had a quarterback on Monday Night Football who was mic'd up and said, "I'm seeing ghosts." Yeah. And through all of that, I honestly believe that the Jets were trying harder than the Rebels are trying over the last few years. Yeah. The only reason the Jets haven't made the playoffs is because the NFL does not allow 50% or more of the teams into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the last two years, I believe we were – Six or seventh in right. We were wild card, but we were like the last or the next to last in. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's not even like we had breathing room compared to the the cutoff line. Yeah, yeah. If it was MLS, I think Gase's first year, you probably would have made it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's baffling, and it's and here's the thing, right? Marsh and Curtis proved you do not need to spend money to find good players and produce a good team. Right? As much as we all laughed when it happened, Curtis came in with his 300-page plan. Look at that team he built in the, his first year. Yeah. Right, and that was and that was supposed to be a complete rebuild. We were yeah. losing Thierry Henry and a bunch of other guys who were the core of that. Uh, Mike Pecky team. Mm-hmm. And we went from, I, I forget where we were in the, in the playoff seating, maybe a wild card, or not wild card, but like maybe like the bottom half of the, the playoffs. But mm-hmm. we went from there to a supporter shield. Mm-hmm. And the, I think at the time it was the best points record. I don't remember if that was the one or the, the, the third shield was it, but either way. They proved that you don't have to spend a lot of money to find players that can perform in this league. The biggest move Ali Curtis made was trading up in the allocation order to get Sasha Kleschen. Yeah. Every other piece on that team was from inside MLS. Mm-hmm. Well, Bradley Ray Phillips. But – he was on the team during Previous, the yeah, That's the only reason yeah. I say it. Every, every other piece that was brought in that offseason had come, I think, had came from inside the league. Right? Like, they just, they were able to find the talent they wanted. They went after it. They got it. And. Might have been Warriors' first year. I think Warriors' first year was 2016. Yeah. I don't know. But, but you got to spend some money. Yeah, you, you can't you can't be stingy like they are now. I mean, yeah. it, and, and and then don't get me wrong, they also got a little lucky that year because Tyler Adams came out of nowhere during yeah. that that friendly versus what Arsenal or whatever it was. Yeah, but I mean that was one player, but the other ten still had to perform, and they found the ten they needed to get the job done. Mm-hmm. It's not a hard thing. Maybe you want to spend on scouting. That's fine. But you have two teams in Europe. You have one in South America. You have one in North America. If you can't build a goddamn scouting network out of those four, I don't know. 
I, mean, I think I think you got to fill your DP slots. You got to get attacking talent on the team one way or another. I mean, do I think you necessarily have to? I think the days of signing Thierry Henry, David Beckham, I think those days are over. But you, you got to sign proven commodities. You, you can't just say, "Oh, this guy might work out." You, you can't do that. Yeah, no. The, the the league has moved past the the Thierry Henry era, right? This is the the league is just. Uh, Evolved. Yeah. Now you got to make your DP money count. You can't just get it to get butts in the seat. Yeah, I mean, and, and like our right now, our I mean, who knows what Laquinas is, is going to be? You know, if he's going to be a designated player, if he's going to be allocation pay down. Um, but right now, our current DP is Patrick Lamala, and who knows if he if Laquinas or Clark or whomever gives him better uh, the new guy we got from Miami. If they give him better service here, maybe he'll put more in the back of the net. But as of right now, he is not designated player level. So, I mean, that's the other thing. If that's who your designated player is, you're you're misspending your money. It's simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I think he scored six or seven goals last year. Single digits, that's for sure. And and a a few of those came from penalty kicks. It's not even like they were all run of play. Yeah. Yeah. You know who scored more last season? Brian White. I'm going to see if I can find this guy. Of course, I can't spell his last name on top of my head, but screw it. I'm not going to bother. Yeah, Brian, Brian White, who we sold off in the middle of the year, was our – actually, that's a good question. Who was our leading goal scorer last year? Either Fabio I'm, or I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh if it's a player that we get rid of in the middle of the season. It was, uh, it was own goal. Patrick Kamala was our leading goal scorer. He had eight total goals. There you go. I mean, that's just not good enough. If you're going to be a designated designate player, you need to score more than that. And then Fabio scored seven. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know. And then there's possible rumors of Struber leaving at some point because apparently last year impressed some people. Yeah. So, he could possibly be gone in the summer. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, why? Well, you know, I don't I know. Stick around is a better, better pasture to go to. I mean, I, I'll say this. I remember when he was hired, Matt Dell was like, all right, looks like uh, Red Bull are going to finally open the checkbook because I don't see why Schuber would lean, lean on a uh, up-and-up job in the English Championship for Red Bull if they weren't going to spend money, and then they didn't. So I would not be shocked if uh, Schuber has one eye on the door. Yeah, I mean – what was it? Didn't they sign him? And he didn't come here for a few months because of visa issue. Mm-hmm. Like they spent, they bought out his contract for him not to coach for a few months. Yeah. <sighs> Ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Uh, preseason matches. Anybody's guess is as good as ours because a lot of this, a lot of their training stuff is behind closed doors. Um, I don't know. You told me the name of the tournament that they're in before we start recording, but I have no idea if it is. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently all behind closed doors out in California. Yep. So we'll have no look at this team until they start their season on February 26th. The, the only game I recall being reported was, uh, I think, where their first preseason game they played against New York City FC and they lost. 
Which wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so the matches that we do know about uh, tomorrow, 7 p.m., they're taking on DC United. Uh, Sunday, February 13th, they're taking on the LA Galaxy. And then Saturday, February 19th, against LAFC. Like we said, it's not going to be televised, so... You'll, you'll probably have to go to the LA team pages to get any coverage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even then, I don't know how much you really get. Yeah. Uh, all that's leading up to that first match on February 26th, which will be take place in San Jose. Uh, it's 6 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So that's afternoon over there. Yeah. <clears throat> So we'll, so we'll preview we'll preview that on a future episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, so before we get to dummy ground, I have here about the U.S. World Cup qualifying, since that's probably the only stuff we can really talk about right now. Yeah, indeed. <clears throat> so I got to bring up their stats because I can't remember exactly. I know we're second. I think we're tied in points with Mexico. I believe so, but we are leading a goal differential. Yeah. So there's three three matches left in qualifying. It's what March is the window. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Uh, the last three games they won two and yeah they won two and lost one to Canada, mm-hmm. who are pres- the presumptive number one out of Concacaf at the moment. Yeah, best team in Concacaf right yeah. now. Let's just say it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they beat us. They beat Mexico. They tied us on our soil. So. You can't say they're not. I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, it's it's part of the reason why a lot of other people were freaking out when we lost them. I wasn't because I did not think we were going to win that game going into it. <laughs> it sucked. I didn't like how we looked, but I I thought we were going to lose in Canada. That they're just playing so well right now. Yeah. Congrats, they're going to the World Cup unless they have a monumental collapse the last three games. Yeah, so current standings, uh, Canada's in first with 25 points, U.S., Mexico, second and third with 21. Panama in fourth, which is the playoff spot, uh, with 17 points. Costa Rica is in fifth with 16. Uh, These three are effectively out of it, but I don't think mathematically uh, two of them are. El Salvador is in sixth with nine points. Jamaica is in seventh with seven. And Honduras is officially eliminated with three points. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. And holy shit, I just saw Doris's goal differential. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, I know that team is bad, but I didn't realize was, there were negative 17 goals. Oh, yeah. bad. They've had a terrible, uh, a terrible uh, qualifying campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think Jamaica might be out of it, too. I do feel like one of the other teams is out, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, Jamaica's out because the most okay. they can get is nine points, and they're 10 back and forth. Okay. All right. So El Salvador has a chance, in theory. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so the U.S., let's see. Uh, March 24th, we get to travel to Azteca. Ooh, baby. Yep. Then March 27th, the last home match against Panama. And then on March 30th, have to go down to Costa Rica. Uh, house of horrors. Let's really hope we don't need points out of that game. I, I think... <sighs> On the Fox broadcast, I think they were saying uh, four points. If you get four points before the Costa Rica match, you're pretty much in. 
Yeah, no, I think it's it's four points. They're in. They're in one of those top three slots again, guaranteed. Three points if Costa Rica wins all three games next window. So if we just beat Mexico or Panama and Costa Rica wins all three of their matches, I, that could, I believe, potentially drop us down to the playoff game. It would at least be in the, one of those top four slots. So three points should guarantee us top four. Honestly, three points should probably get us into the World Cup period. But, well, the big the big thing is really gonna be the match against Panama, right? Because right now, yes, I mean that that's that's you cannot you must win that match no matter what. I mean, plain and simple, they they can't that that cannot be a game they show up and fart away. I mean, you know, the good thing is Gio Reyna should be back. He's someone who I think has been sorely missed. Um, you know, so that that's a plus. Uh, we'll see if Tyler Adams is healthy by then. I don't believe he's played in the last couple of days uh, after injuring his hamstring. Um, I think you gotta, you know, if you're the U.S., you gotta, you know, I think you gotta stick with the Zimmerman, Miles Robinson uh, center back pairing because they have not lost a single game with those two in the in the in the, at center back. Um, the plus is the way Mexico has been playing. I actually do think there's a chance you could tie or even win in Azteca. Um, so I'm not sure if they're going to be fans of that game or not. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but if you can get a result in Mexico and get your three points in Panama, we're going to woke up, but yeah, it's, it's closer than I'd like it to be. That's for sure. You know, it sucks. If this was a six game, the old hex, we'd be in the World Cup already, but what are you going to do? Yeah. And look at the schedule. I think. I think you need to try to get at least a point out of Mexico because Panama is playing Honduras, so that's pretty much a guaranteed three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you lose in Mexico, you're now looking at facing Panama at home, only being up by one point mm-hmm. with two games left. Yeah. yeah you... and, Pan- and Panama is probably not going to beat Canada even at home. Mm-hmm. But Canada also might have nothing to play for that final game. True. So you got you got to think about that. Yeah, I I also think, that, and I know Greg Berhalter has been very conscious about rotating his roster because we're playing three games in these windows. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I think this window is the one where you need to go all out. If if you need that win in Costa Rica, you can't rotate. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you absolutely can't play a B squad if you need it. So, I mean, that's the big question. I mean, what do you do? Do you actually put all your starters out in Mexico? Or do you rotate a little there at the beginning? Um, I think Mexico, you can get away with it. Yeah, if, I, I, if, if yeah. you don't win in Mexico, then you can't rotate after that. Yeah, I, I think I think I, you know, at the same time, it's just like we did get a draw four years ago in Azteca, uh, and that was with a terrible team. <laughs> so it's just like, and Mexico has not been unstoppable at home. Uh, I mean, I forget who, I feel a couple teams are in points down there. Canada being one, I think Panama might have been another. Um, Mexico is just not having a great, despite being in third place, not having a great uh, qualifying tournament. Uh, so it's tough. I mean, it would have been great if you got. I mean, I you know, again, everyone's hand wringing about Canada. I think the drop points were obviously. I think you could have gotten a point in Panama, but they played like a B squad down there. Um, getting a po- only a point in Jamaica, I think, was tough. And obviously, the draw at home against Canada. Uh, I mean, that that was tough as well. So. I think there were some missed opportunities. Now it comes down to the final window. I do think we will qualify. I am 
fairly confident, but obviously we have been like many many others been burned four years ago. It's it's hard to be confident. <laughs> yeah. So Mexico, by the way, has only dropped two points at home, and that was to Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other games have been closer than they have been traditionally, but they haven't lost except for. Didn't they? Didn't, they haven't dropped except for. Didn't Panama didn't drop. I just want somebody else to do that. <laughs> All right. Home. So I'm gonna double check this. Uh. Mexico beat Jamaica two on. Mm-hmm. They they drew to Panama, but that was on the road. Okay. Let's see. Then Mexico tied Canada one one at Azteca. They beat Honduras three nothing. Which yeah, it's well that's yeah. Uh, let's see. Next home match for Mexico. Uh oh, I'm sorry. They drew Costa Rica zero zero. There you go. So I say so, I somebody else got a point there. So it's possible. Yeah. It's possible to at least walk away with one. Yeah. And honestly, in CONCACAF, that's that should be the baseline. Win at home, draw on the road. Absolutely. One hundred percent. So. <clears throat> All right. I kind of think we beat that up. Um. So now time for the dumping ground. Uh, aside from Olympics, is there anything you want to talk about? Nah, yeah, let's, uh, you know, Olympics, uh, we're playing like crap so far, it looks like. We don't have a lot of medals, but, hey, curling is, uh, team curling starting up, so we beat the, you know, beat the Ruskies this morning. We'll see what happens tonight. And uh, let's hope we can repeat with the uh, gold in curling and, uh, in hockey, the NHL players aren't there because of COVID, but who knows? Maybe we'll have another miracle on ice this uh, year. And obviously, the women's hockey team is uh, into the knockout round, so that's a big thing. I kind of hope Eileen Gu doesn't win another medal for China because, you know, she was born and raised in the States and somehow representing a country that's committing genocide. Is she the snowboarder? Yeah. Oh, no, she's okay. a skier. It's like big oh, air skiing the, or something. The free st- yeah, okay. The big, yeah. Big air skier, okay. So she won one gold. I kind of hope she loses all the rest. She has she has a Chinese mother, by the way. That's why she's representing China. Who gives a shit? You were born I'm just and saying, raised. I'm just saying this, why. I don't care. You were born and raised in this country. San this Francisco. country has given you so much, and you go and, and look. If you represented Italy, I'd still be annoyed. But whatever. Italy's not uh, currently uh, killing people in the western provinces of China in concentration camps. So, I mean, you know, let's let's not kid ourselves that. China's some cuddly, warm and fuzzy nation. I am not doing that at all. I know you're not, but it's just like it's like ugh, I hope she sucks the rest of the Olympics. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> I don't know if you if you watch the short track at all. I short track speed skating. I don't think I've seen one yet. <laughs> I, I find it kind of interesting, but there was yeah, it's a good sport. There's a few calls that went uh, China's way that are kind of questionable. One of which, there was very, I don't know what they call the little discs that they put down on the ice for mm-hmm. speed skating, mm-hmm. but there was three Canadians and a Chinese skater coming around one of the curves, and you can clearly see the Chinese skater, because they have their hand on the ice, right, with speed skating, is they're mm-hmm. keeping their hand down for balance, is as her hand is down, one of these little discs gets in there, so she takes it and throws it ahead of her, Slides on the ice, and it hits the skate of a Canadian skater who falls over, and the Canadian gets that was next to this Chinese woman gets faulted for 
causing a, a problem. That's ridiculous. Well, if you're if you're an Olympic official, do you want to end up in the Chinese gulag? I mean, you know. So I get it. I mean, you just you just read about how some of these athletes are being treated over there. It's just kind of like, ugh. yeah, the the stories about the quarantining. It's just if yeah, you test positive. It's just sounds. I saw I saw one of the pictures of some of the food. It's like ugh. It just sounds yeah. It sounds beyond. You know, no matter what you think about, whether if you're asymptomatic or not, whatever, blah, 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 blah. It just sounds like once they're in that quarantine, it sounds like it's hell. And I, I think there's a way to do it humanely. And I didn't see the opening ceremonies, but I heard China took it as a way to be political and make oh. themselves look better. Well, of course. And all I could say is, what the fuck? Like... This whole thing is supposed to not be political, right? That's yeah. the whole point of the Olympics. And I, I only, of course, I, of course, the IOC lab gets away with it. So, of course, because they like their money. Yeah, but I mean, I I didn't really pay too close attention. I do remember the one point they had Chinese military guys out there just passing along the China flag, like you know, it's whatever. Communism's great. I think that's it. I have nothing else to add. Yeah, I think we we uh, we tapped or, it well. The only thing I can say is curl, curling might now be might be my favorite winter Olympic sport. Oh, I love curling. I love it. You it's know, it just I just got reminded. We challenged way back when. We did. Uh, Mark Fishkin and Dave Martinez to a curling match, and we never got a response. We never. Yeah, we never. The, the curling match was never answered. The curling challenge. <laughs> And now one of them no longer on seeing red, but the challenge is still out there. there, there, there I believe there is a curling um, club somewhere in New Jersey, like up, there's, there's up in, like, two by Newark or something like that. There's two. There's one in South Plainfield, and there's one I think near Cherry Hill, which I only learned about that one recently. But hey, yeah. golf is still out there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, who who is it? Goldstein is the other host of seeing red right now. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but wh- whoever it is, bring bring him along. We'll do three three v three. Yeah, and I'm not saying I don't listen to Seeing Red because I'm like you know angry at those guys. I'm not. I just oftentimes I, I'm afraid I steal their ideals. Ideas. That's part of it. And you know they're a great show. So if you're listening to this show and you want to see Seeing Red, I highly encourage it. Joe Goldstein. Yep, I just Joe Goldstein still on the show. Okay. Yeah. So so that's the cha- that the updated challenge now for curling. It's <laughs> me, and we'll have to find a way to do it, but me, Patrick, and Truman versus Fishkin, Goldstein, and Martinez. Yeah, bring Martinez back. Why not? <laughs> well, that's when the challenge was originally issued. That's so true. That's true. He needs to come back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <clears throat> All right. So I think that's it. Um, let's wrap this one up. You can visit us at patreon.com slash redbullrant. One buck. One buck. One buck a month is all you need to get exclusive content, such as monthly wrap-ups, live post-games, anything else we decide to do, which we have been really bad at, but hopefully we'll be better at this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can email us, uh, redbullrant at gmail.com. If you want to call us and leave a voicemail, that gets played on the show, 973-348-5329. Yes, the following does work. I just made sure it was working because... <laughs> Google almost took it away from us for nobody calling recently. So oh, those rat bastards. 
Uh, Facebook.com slash Red Bull Rant. On Twitter, at Red Bull Rant. For the show, at Doc the Stooge for myself, at The Truman for Truman. Subscribe to our show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or not Google Play Music. Now it's YouTube Music. Wow. Got to update that. Uh, YouTube itself, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. Last words before we get out of here. Uh, Red Bull, prove me wrong, I guess. Yep. Oh, sorry, Raymond. You see the leaked kit, the new one, the red one for the away. Uh, I think I did, but I don't remember it. It's the sort of checkerboard pattern, just okay, darker yeah. red and lighter red. That's right. I think like Red Bull Two wore that like two or three years ago. Fuck, you know that wouldn't surprise me somehow. Yeah, it's a decent idea. I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but it's better than the black one, honestly. I actually like the black, but I refuse to buy it because I refuse to give this team any more of my money aside from the ticket I give them every week. Uh, like I said, if I would have liked the black one better if it was just the regular Adidas stripes. For some reason, the, the way they did it that year just didn't sit with me. Yeah. All right. Anyway, for Patrick and myself, this has been episode 385 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, go Red Bulls. Lights. Lights.